Hi, welcome to the premiere edition of Horner's Corner on so many platforms with you. WAOH.TV, WAKR Radio, our YouTube channel. And certainly it is my pleasure to host this each and every month. And I felt there was no better person to open up Horner's Corner with than a guy that I certainly have a lot of admiration for. He's made his mark in Akron in so many different ways, and it was a natural to invite him to the show. Our first guest is Eric Mansfield, who has paved his way in journalism, an Emmy award-winning journalist. He served in the National Guard. He's helped us with education at Kent State University. And oh, by the way, he's a playwright as well. He's done a little bit of everything, including playing music in high school with Akron Public Schools. So I'm Ray Horner. I'd like to welcome to the show Eric Mansfield. Eric, thanks for taking time to join us. Great to be here today, and, and I'm thrilled for the start of the show and thrilled to spend some time with you. Let's let's go back because it really start at North High School mm -hmm. for you. Um, you and Lisa have certainly made your mark, Lisa, your wife, in the greater Akron area, and you told me that's where it started for you guys, too. It, you know, growing up on North Hill was a great place in town. It still is. It's such a hybrid of people from around the world. There's people there from Vietnam and from Laos with the international community and all the Italian history that's there. So, you know, you don't realize it as a kid. They're just the neighborhood that you grow up in. But it was a wonderful place to grow up with, with different people from different parts of the community and I felt like we had a, a great experience, and Lisa and I met at Harris Elementary School. Uh, we both play violin, and we met in music class, and then we were just friends all the way up through Jennings and then the North High School. And But I, I just can't say enough. I thought I got a great education in the Akron Public Schools. I had great teachers in the Akron Public Schools, and I still have a, a great affinity for North Hill. And, it, and it's interesting. We'll go full circle with the arts for you as well, mm -hmm. because... Your art experience started on North Hill, and it's come mm -hmm. full circle to what you're doing now as far as a playwright as well. So let's let's take us from high school. You go to the University of Dayton, yes. and you decide to get into journalism. Mm -hmm. Was that something you had always wanted to do, or did you get on campus and say, let's try this? You know, I started in high school. I worked at The Viking, which was the student newspaper, and really fell in love with it there. I got to be the editor there. Uh, we did recordings for WAPS radio, so I got to do a little bit of broadcast there. Um, so I was really looking for a journalism program. And at the time, I just wanted to get a little farther away than you know, maybe Kent State would have offered me, although I think the world of Kent State's program and still do. Uh, but I saw the University of Dayton playing basketball one Saturday. And we didn't have the internet back then. Right. But I, I looked up, well, how far is Dayton, Ohio from Akron, Ohio? Because I really hadn't traveled much as an inner city kid. And um, I applied there and got accepted there. And while it's a private Catholic school, I'm not Catholic. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anybody there. Uh, but I applied for the journalism program with just a few of my newspaper clips. And they said, come on down. And uh, the best advice I got was, if you're thinking about the TV piece of it, which I was, go to a university that has TV stations in town. Uh -huh. And while OU, Ohio University, has a wonderful broadcast program, there aren't any real big TV stations in Athens, Ohio. So you want to get experience. But Dayton, right. Ohio certainly did. And it paid off. I, I was there for the four years. I interned at the local TV stations there, and I had a great experience. Ended up coming to WKYC Television mm -hmm. in Cleveland. Was that the initial job out of college, or was there a jump in between there? No, my first job out of college, I graduated in 1991, and we had a recession. And suddenly nobody was hiring anywhere. Uh, and I came back to Akron, and Lisa and I got married right after college. And I started out working at Record Publishing in just the suburban newspapers. Uh, I wrote Senior Citizen... Uh, lunch menus <laughs> for the Stowe Century. I wrote bus schedules and, and other things like that for the Cuyahoga Falls News Press. 
Uh, I worked at the Twinsburg Bulletin, and I just worked as a writing you know, journalist for about a year. Right. Uh, and then an opportunity came up. Jim Cambrick, who had been the 11 p.m. anchor at Channel 23, WAKC, I got an opportunity to move to a bigger station. And because I had had a summer internship at the local Akron station, Mark Williamson remembered me. So when Jim left, they moved people up and I came in at the bottom. And then I was at WAKC there for two years. I was still in the military at the time, the National Guard. But uh, then the opportunity came, I was 24 years old and got a chance to go to Cleveland at WKYC. And while I had fully expected I would leave Akron and then hope to come back someday, yeah. I was really very fortunate to just stay here after college and then be able to stay here through my career. Eric Mansfield with us on Horner's Corner. Eric, I've heard some great stories about that uh, crew in Akron from mm-hmm. Mark Williamson, and he said, and, and he said, boy, the behind-the-scenes stories <laughs> that he could tell us, and I don't know if you can share any with us, but he said they were unforgettable stories. Yeah, you look back, and in small-town TV, everybody <laughs> knows each other, and you're all you're the best of friends off camera too, yeah. and you're spending a lot of time together covering things. Um, I was there for a, a couple of years. Um, but what I don't think people realized was, was how much work all of us did behind the scenes. So, for example, when I'd anchor the weekend news, the sports guy would run the camera while I was doing the 11 o'clock. We'd go to commercial and we'd switch. And I, in my suit and tie, would run behind the camera and run the camera and the sports guy would do the sports. And then we would take a wide shot and lock it down at the end. The two of us would say goodnight. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. People see the movies about TV and they think there's all these people counting them down and all these editors and things. And in small town TV in the early 1990s, there might be three or four people there on the weekends, more during the week, but yeah. we were all doing other things too. And uh, that was exciting. And you just learn to be reliant on each other. I worked with Mark Nolan and Mark Johnson, who both went on to major careers in, in Cleveland, uh, along with many other journalists who came through there. It was a great learning experience. And as did you. I mean, you go Thanks. to Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, WKYC television. Mm-hmm. You're a multi-Emmy award-winning journalist, I mm-hmm. might add, but KYC. So talk about how that came about being, and then maybe expand a little bit on the experience. <laughs> well, I, I always tell people to, if you can learn anything from me, learn how I got the job. And when I applied at Channel, tw- uh, Channel 3, uh, again, I'd, I'd gotten a job at, at age 22 in Akron. I was 24. I was looking to make the jump. I didn't know if I was ready or not. But I started calling the Cleveland TV stations, and Channel 3 was like the only one that returned my call. <laughs> and they said, thanks for calling. We're not looking for anybody right now. So I said, well, can I come up and just meet you anyway? And that was the step that I took. And Tony Ballou, the news director, said, Sure, kid, if you want to come up here. And so we went up and we met and we had a very pleasant conversation. And when we left, I said, I'm your Akron guy. I live there. I've grown up there. I know you're not looking for anybody, but someday you will. And I want you to remember me when that comes up. So I'm you know, big, bold 24-year-old. Sure. Four months later, sure enough, their Akron reporter left and I got the call from them. And it was because I'd had that initial interview that wasn't for a job. It was just a meet that they remembered me and offered me the opportunity to come up there. So. Uh, don't take no for an answer on at least still meeting people. If you just wait till there's an opening, sometimes you're competing against dozens of people and yeah. it's a little more challenging. What was the biggest adjustment going from the Akron TV to KYC? You know what's funny is Lee Barr, who was our assistant um, assignment editor at Channel 23, she has since worked at Channel 3, I believe uh, now she's with NPR in Cleveland. She said the difference between big time Channel 3 and small Channel 23 is nicer shoes. Uh, <laughs> and she's absolutely right because you're out there and you're running and you're, you're nobody ever sees your shoes on TV. 
Um, so you want to wear comfortable shoes, but you need nicer shoes because you're just kind of going to, to nicer stories. It's still television. It's still storytelling. A minute, 15 seconds for a story in, in Akron on the small station is the same as it is in Cleveland. Once you convince yourself of that. Um, but early on, I'm up there, Ray, and I mean, I'm with Judd Hambrick and I'm with Leon Bibb and I'm with these, you know, Jim Donovan, uh, these big names and these people I've watched and I'm only in my mid-20s. And uh, that was just a, a wonderful learning experience. I learned so much uh, from being around them and 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 writing Dick Russ, uh, people that are just exceptional at the broadcast craft in the 90s. I was very, very fortunate to watch them and learn from them. But yeah, nicer shoes. Otherwise, it's still just interviewing people and telling stories. So Eric, with WKYC, we all have our journalism remembrances. I remember mm -hmm. being on air with 9-11 sure. um, in, in Akron on WAKR, and I'll never forget that day in my broadcast history. KYC, you're up there, you win Emmy Awards. Is there a story or two that maybe stand out that you covered that you're most proud of or you'll never forget? You know, I ended up in the almost 20 years I was at Channel 3, I worked with Dateline seven times. So the news in itself in Cleveland and Akron and across Northeast Ohio tends to be pretty impactful sometimes. Um, so th there were quite a few stories that we worked with the national news on that, that stayed with you mm -hmm. over time. Uh, one that really has stayed with me over time is the Teresa Andrews case. Mm -hmm. Teresa was a pregnant woman in Ravenna who disappeared, and people wondered what happened to her. And then about a week after she was gone, they discovered she had been stalked and murdered by a neighbor woman who had pretended to be pregnant and had killed Teresa for her baby. Oh. Buried her. She was married to a police officer who had no idea. He thought his wife delivered while he was at work, and it was actually the neighbor's baby. So it just became this international story. Uh, I think it was actually closer to two weeks that she was missing, and we followed every step of the way there. So I worked with the national news on that. But of the positive stories, being at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the day it opened, uh, you know, covering the Indians in the World Series in 95 and 97, um, in the All-Star Game in 97, uh, probably the most unique story I ever got to do uh, was I went weightless with NASA. Um, and this was a wonderful experience. They take you up to 35,000 feet, and then the plane just keeps doing this. It's how they shot the movie Apollo 13. Oh. Because as the plane goes up and over, it's like it's like being in a roller coaster, that brief moment of just weightlessness as you go over the top of the hill. So then you're weightless until the plane pulls up and then it goes, does this again. So it creates moments of weightless. What's funny is the station sent me to the story not knowing that that's what we were doing. <laughs> they thought that NASA had some kind of like weightless room. They're like, our insurance never would have covered this. I'm like, well, you sent me to the story. So uh, I, I got to go up with NASA. Uh, the story was on the Today Show. Um, it was just a wonderful experience to, to get up, yeah. be up there for hours. Of course, I got sick like everybody else. I was going to say. <laughs> but, you know, lots of people. I covered LeBron in high school. Uh, certainly that was unique. But plenty of people have interviewed LeBron. I've interviewed multiple presidents who've come to town. Um, the fun thing I, I tell people about interviewing LeBron in Akron was when he was a, when I first saw LeBron, he was, I, I saw him on the football field. Mm -hmm. They threw three passes and he caught three touchdowns. And we were just getting footage on a Friday night. And I'm like, who is this kid? And they're like, that's LeBron James. I said, he's going to the NFL. <laughs> and one of the players, no, he's going to the NBA. You just watch. And sure enough, they were right. Yeah. But when I would go over there to cover things, I, and I would come back with an interview. And uh, Chuck Galetti was with our sports part at the time. He goes, how did you get LeBron? It seems like everybody goes there and LeBron doesn't talk to him. How, why does LeBron talk to you? And I say, because I don't ask to talk to LeBron. I just go in and because they were a phenomenal team, I asked to talk to anybody. And LeBron couldn't stay away because they're just their high school kids. Right. So if I was interviewing little Drew or Sion or something like that, LeBron would inevitably come over and stick his face in the camera and make faces. And then I would be able to talk to him. 
But when the other reporters would show up and they only wanted to talk to LeBron, you know, he had a lot on his plate. So I had a very good relationship with him in high school. Those were amazing experiences to cover. Yes. Unfortunately, the crimes stick out, like I said, murders and things like that. But um, it, it's amazing to be a paid witness to history and the things you get to do as a journalist. We're visiting with Eric Mansfield on our premiere edition of Horner's Corner. And, and Eric, let's let's stay on the on the journalist uh, pathway right mm -hmm. now. What about biggest influences? You remember you, you got up to KYC and mm -hmm. you're in with these people that you're going, oh, I'm on the same set with these guys. But biggest influence in the industry, was it on that set or maybe before? I would say the biggest influence I had was getting to work with Leon Bibb. Um, Leon used the expression, bleed on the keyboard. Um, and if you've ever listened to, Le to Leon's story, he certainly has a wonderful delivery. But he's a tremendous writer. And he talks about bringing the emotion to the story and being a, a witness to a story. And when you're out telling a story, to find those emotions and try to share those. All of us can share the facts, but not everybody can share what it feels like to be there. And so seeing Leon do that in his own work and him um, for the time that we got to be together sharing that uh, was, was very, very helpful to me. Um, and I guess the second piece of that are the, the photographers behind the scenes that you don't see. I was very fortunate when I got to Cleveland at 24 years old. They partnered me with a guy named Larry Baker, uh, who had been in TV for 25 years at that point. So he was my Akron photographer, so I spent pretty much every day with him. Yeah. And photographers, they show reporters how to carry themselves at a murder scene. They show you how to stand. They show you, you know, how to ask the right questions. They're so good at it. And so they're very much the Yodas that help us develop as the young Jedi. And I was partnering with Larry, uh, my youngest son, uh, Ted. His name is Theodore Lawrence, after Larry. Nice. Uh, nice. But I, I really, I worked with some amazing photographers over the years. Uh, who just have a great eye for storytelling, and they teach you a lot and make you better on air if you just listen to their wisdom. Many people also remember you from Newsnight Akron, mm -hmm. and we're bringing it back to Akron and now, kind of Wonderful. where it started. And that was a fabled show, personalities galore, and you were the ringmaster of the whole show that not only brought the personalities together, but the subject matter. That looked like a lot of fun. And I've talked to you guys in the WAKR studios mm -hmm. and we've had some reunions and we've had some fun times. But I imagine on that set with the guys that you had down there, including Jody, including Ed and, and that crew, that had to be a lot of fun touching the Akron hearts with those stories. It was because, first of all, Akron News is just good to talk about. And there's always a lot of angles. Uh, and people would say the show had a lot of energy. How did you create that? And I always said, to me, the secret of the show was not to talk until we were on the air. So, you know, we would arrive for a taping and how, and I would like, guys, just talk Browns, just talk Indians, just talk family. Don't talk about Mayor Plisqualic. Don't talk about what just happened this week. Save it till we're on the set. And then the reactions were very genuine. And I think people got that out of there. So, you know, I'd, I'd bring on David Giffels or I'd bring on Bob Dyer and, and, and round out the poor Phil Trexler, uh, you know, for their insights. But the reactions were very genuine when they would tell you something from behind the scenes that I didn't want us to share before we got in front of the cameras, uh, because then the reaction just wouldn't be as good. And we, the time would go by so quickly, uh, but the news was always so engaging and accurate to talk about. Yeah, it was it was a terrific show, and and I I was disappointed actually when it went Me on. too. Okay, so we're in the journalism here. We got Newsnight Akron, KYC, but Eric Mansfield is so much more. And you mentioned the National Guard mm -hmm. a couple of moments ago. Let's get into that aspect and that side of your life and how that began for you. And it took you to Iraq. It took you to uh, 
Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. It took you around the world. So talk about that aspect of your life. Well, I needed a way to pay for college. I mean, I was from an inner city, blue collar family, and the money just wasn't there. Um, so I looked for opportunities. My uncle, my grandfather, my great-grandfather had all served. So I looked into the opportunities there. And the Army National Guard was a great chance for that. Uh, the day I went up to enlist, though, I'm colorblind. And in the 1980s, that really limited the number of jobs you could do in the military. So I wanted to be a tanker and blow stuff up, you know, like drive a tank. And I was 18 years old and uh, they said, you can't drive a tank, you're colorblind. So uh, they offered me a couple opportunities. One was being military police and I'm tall. So it worked out very well, very professional groups. So I got into the military and then on the weekends I served in the military uh, while I was going to college. And then I continued serving the military while I was on television. You could always tell because I suddenly had a Friday haircut that was real <laughs> short, and then the audience would know, well, I guess he's gonna be gone this weekend. But uh, I stuck around, I went to officer candidate school, became an officer. Um, so I was enlisted for six years, then became a lieutenant. I was a captain uh, on 9-11, and in fact, I was the commander of Akron's only Army National Guard unit, uh, which was that time was on Hawkins Avenue near Firestone High School. Mm -hmm. 177 soldiers, we were a transportation company. And I was the company commander there on 9-11, so I was part of the 9-11 coverage all day, but I was still answering calls from the military soldiers and their families going, do we need to report? And we ended up reporting that weekend and preparing for deployment. Uh, we didn't end up deploying though for almost a year until it was time uh, for the Iraq invasion. So I was, I was mobilized in January of 2003. I got three days notice, Ray, three, <laughs> to, on a Monday to report on Thursday, and I was gone for 14 months. Um, to Kuwait and Iraq. My kids were eight, five, and one. Uh, but the community really supported Lisa, and she rose to the occasion to support other military spouses. And I can't say enough about Channel 3 supporting me through that, too. I served with, with, with soldiers who came home who lost their jobs or lost their families or lost both um, through the experience. I was very blessed to keep all of that through there. And, and then I stayed on to finish 20 years. I retired as a major in 2006. But yes, I went to Central America, I went to Hurricane Katrina, I was at the Lucasville prison riot, which was the longest prison riot in U.S. history. A very scary experience uh, in the early 90s. Um, I was still a candidate in the, uh, in the academy and went down there and led a platoon and we were side by side with all of the state patrol and we were there for 11 days and I really feared that was gonna turn very, very bloody uh, because of the way it was all starting. So that was quite an experience too. But Hurricane Katrina was very rewarding to be here in the US and helping people in trouble, but it just kind of overwhelmed your senses. I'd never been to a hurricane before. Yeah. And you see cars up in trees. It's like a Harry Potter movie. Uh, it's like, why, why is there a car up in that tree? This is reality, right? Um, and I thought we'd be there a year. I mean, it just, it was, the devastation was just so extensive. Uh, but that was very rewarding to go in and help those folks. And um, I continue to serve the military today. I have an appointment from the Pentagon that I support in recruiting. Um, I go to Washington usually once a year. Uh, I'll be going to Fort Campbell, Kentucky for a week of training soon. Uh, but my job now is like an ombudsman. I work with community leaders to open doors for the military. I uh, represent the Secretary of the Army at funerals and other events in Northern Ohio. And it's a great way for me to stay connected. I remember interviewing you when you got back yeah. mm -hmm. from your deployment to Kuwait. And we talked about the experiences there and the sense of loneliness there. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of uncertainty at that time too. You're going into an area where there's hostilities there, and, and you're kind of on the front line there between Kuwait and Iraq, and I thought maybe you could share that experience because you go back to the early 2000s, many people were waiting for a world war to happen, and you're right there in the middle of it. People will recall that Turkey would not allow the U.S. troops to invade Iraq from the north. So as part of the, the, the historically, the way the plan shifted, everything came from the south and we came in through Kuwait. 
Uh, Kuwait actually touches, you know, the port of Shweba is, is up there in the north. It's the one spot in Iraq that does touch the water. But for the most part, it's Kuwait that touches the water to get then into Iraq. So all of the U.S. troops are going through Kuwait. Um, so uh, we were in one of the four base camps, which were named for the four uh, attacks on 9-11. There was Camp New York, Camp Virginia, Camp New Jersey, um, and Camp, it'll come to me here. New York, t- t- uh, okay, it'll come to me in a minute. Uh, we were at Camp Virginia, uh, right on the border. So as troops, 150,000 soldiers and sailors and Marines, they're all flying over. They'd marry up on the, in those camps with their equipment and then head north. And my job was to help with the logistics there. But I was part of the invasion, so I was there for the first year. We didn't know how long we were gonna be there. I mean, we've reached a point now where people know they're going there for 365 days. I was flashing back to my grandfather. He went to World War II. Date return, unknown. And he was gone in almost four years. So it was really hard to say goodbye to your kids and you just oh, don't know. Especially at that um, age. Before they d- determined the rotation. Yeah, they were so little. And, and we didn't have the internet in, those, in the same way they do now. We didn't have Facebook or those kind of things to stay in contact. So it took a while before I could make contact back here. And then after a while, we, we got access to some email and things. And things changed over time. But we first landed there with the coalition forces too. Uh, it was a pretty overwhelming experience. I was in my mid-30s going, what am I doing here? Uh, but you know, I thought we did great work and I worked with amazing people. You eventually make your way to Kent State University mm-hmm. and you're in communications and marketing director there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no better person to me than head up the department oh, thank when you, you look at your experience if you've done. What led you to Kent State? Well, I got to a point in my career where my sons were growing. Um, and I missed my oldest son's homecoming dance because I was anchoring the evening news. And I thought, you know, there's more to life than being a journalist and I need to look for other opportunities. So I spent about two years just investigating what opportunities might be there for me as a storyteller and public relations seemed like a good one. Uh, I applied for a few jobs here in Akron, unfortunately didn't get them at the time. I was very devastated. I was like, I'm Mr. Akron. Uh, But Kent State was just a a matter of timing. Uh, I called out there and said, I'm really interested in higher ed and you know, here's, who I am, and they met with me, and they really didn't have a job opening, but we just had a great lunch. And uh, they about a week later, they said, we're gonna make a spot for you. We think you'd be a great addition to our team. So they give me the weekend to think about it. Because I'm like, I love television news. I love Channel 3. I need to think on this and think what's the best way. So Monday morning, I wake up and I go, I think this is the right thing to do, is to move to the university, support the university. And I told Lisa that, and we celebrated for about two minutes. And the phone rang, and it was my news director from Cleveland, Rita Andelson. She said, I need you to get to Chardon High School immediately. Four kids have been shot. Oh, okay. So I can't even get free to call Kent State to say I want to take the job or to get to Channel 3 to tell the bosses I want to leave. And I go to Chardon and I'm there for four days as we all remember that that incident played out. And it was just overwhelming. So... um, that was the last really big story that I covered. And then, you know, within a few months, I had made the transition to Kent State. I've been there 12 years now. Time just flies Jeez. by. And that, it's just a great experience. They're, uh, they're very welcoming. It's, it's wonderful to be around young people. I do a little bit of teaching as well. And to be able to talk to the media on this side and, and tell the great story of what the university means here in the community. And uh, so I've really been very fortunate that that opportunity, that the, I didn't get the other opportunities. I think God wanted me out there, and it's, uh, it's, it's been great, and I work with wonderful people. Well, you're hearing the whole story of Eric Mansfield today on Horner's Corner. I'm your host, Ray Horner, and 
We'll go all the way full circle now when we started out talking about the arts mm -hmm. way back in elementary school and in the high school. And that's what you're doing now mm -hmm. as well as in the world of education. You're a playwright. Yes. I think it's just fantastic. When this first came into focus for me, I said, okay, Eric's trying something. He's, he's doing a little side hustle here. Mm -hmm. Well, it has turned into be much more than that. So talk about this endeavor. Mm -hmm. Talk about what you've been able to do with this. It's fascinating. Well, th thank you very much. I call it Eric 4.0. You know, it's like <laughs> I did TV and the military and university life, and now it's a, a fourth career. Um, but I always told stories in television. So I was a storyteller at heart. Um, being at the university, I'm telling the university story all the time, but it's, it's very focused on the higher ed. But I still want to be able to tell other stories and narratives. My kids were in the arts. We enjoyed that. And because I had worked in television, I write copy that's meant to be read aloud. So I had a pretty good feel of what it's like to tell a story when people are speaking. So I'm you know, watching plays and musicals going, I think I can do this. So I started to write a few um, and they started to get picked up. And uh, I have since now, you know, I've joined the Dramatist Guild as an, an official professional playwright. Uh, I'm signed with Next Stage Press, one of the national play publishers that has some of my work. Uh, I recently had a play now included at the Drama Bookshop in New York City, which is the, 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 the ultimate place to be as a playwright. So my plays are on the same shelves with all of the great American playwrights of all time. Um, so to have one of my plays included there is, is very wonderful. Uh, at the time of this taping in early 2024, I have four plays in production at four different theaters. And uh, so I'm working with four different directors. And uh, I'm just a big fan of, of watching them you know, bring those to life. But I write three to four full-length plays a year most playwrights are writing one. Um, everybody's kind of on their own journey. So I, I get up in the morning and I'm, I'm focused on a story I want to tell and, and just trying to find it. But I could have easily you know, been writing a book, or which I do plan to do. I, I have a mystery novel I've started. But uh, I could easily write in other ways or write blogs and things. But it just it felt like a good fit. And then to watch these stories come to life and audiences to be there and get the feedback. Uh, it's been a nice creative side. Uh, my kids are grown now, so I have a little more time to do these things. Some people garden and other people, you know, find whatever their outlet is. I'm writing plays now, and I've been contacted by so many wonderful people that they themselves want to start writing. Um, but I've written 10-minute plays, full-length plays, but it comes more naturally because of the broadcast side. I wrote one-hour documentaries for NBC and PBS, um, so I was used to writing words that got spoken out loud. It's still a creative uh, process and a learning experience. Uh, but it's been very rewarding. Well, when you think of, of Akron, there's so many people that go on that Mount Rushmore in Akron. And the reason that I invited Eric Mansfield to the premiere show is, to me, he's one of the most influential people that Akron has seen. When you look at the, the area of journalism and touching people and the stories that he's covered, education, playwright, and coming up through Akron Public Schools, it is a story that I wanted to be part of to help him tell that story. And I'm glad he agreed to be with us on our premiere edition of Horner's Corner. Eric, to wrap the whole thing up for mm -hmm. you, talk to the folks out there watching and listening to us how a kid from Akron Public Schools can do 4.0 with four different careers, man. It can be done. You know, it's, it's finding that thing that you like to do. Some people say they want to, and, and some people are very happy doing one thing their whole life, which is great. Um, but, you know, life is still a buffet and you can eat what you like and, and, and mix things up once in a while. So I would just say I'm, I'm in my mid-50s and I won an award for being an emerging playwright. <laughs> you know, an emerging anything in your 50s is, is pretty good. So I would just say if you have a, an outlet, YouTube, and, and just there's so many ways to learn about it and just give it a try and see where it goes. And if you find people who inspire you, you know, ask them how they do what they do. 
Uh, real quick, I asked Terry Pluto very early on for some guidance and he was extremely supportive of getting after it, creative writing and being serious about your craft, uh, along with others, David Giffels and others here in town. So I've been very fortunate to have people who have my back and if I can do it, you can do it too. There you go. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thanks. There you go, Eric Mansfield on Horner's Quarter. I'm Ray Horner. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the premiere edition of Horner's Quarter. I'm Ray Horner.